Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. Joining me today is my miraculous guest, Megan. Welcome. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Um, thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, start at the beginning as always, uh, Megan. Uh, you know, where are you from? Where do you live? Uh, I live in currently Moncton Ash in South Wales. Okay, is that is that where you're from, or? Um... Base basically a bit. Um, I'm from the kind of valley, so I'm in the same valley, but hmm. I've kind of recently moved, kind of fifteen minutes down the road from uh, where I used to live with my parents. So okay. not too, not too far. Yeah, is um. Is the place you're in now, um, did you move to there recently? Yeah, um, about, I want to say two or three weeks ago <clears throat> was the sort of the permanent move-in date. Um, yeah, uh, though I've been, technically I've been renting this place actually since last December because of COVID, um, lockdowns, etc. you know, shops closing, uh, so I wasn't able to go look for myself, um, probably like cookers and fridges, that kind of thing, you know. I had to kind of put it on hold a bit. And then, um, actually, funny enough, on my birthday then, uh, in July, I actually finally managed to move in here. Finally. It only took me six months, but I got there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you'd be... So you just, what, so it's just a case of, because of the pan because of lockdowns and stuff like you said so what you just weren't able to move because you weren't able to get the stuff basically yeah for example you know i wanted obviously to get a cooker but with my sight impairment um obviously i I didn't want to just get any old thing from the internet because i wasn't going to be able to see the pictures of of what it looked like and um how accessible it might have looked etc so obviously i want to go look with my look with my hands I guess the cheese yeah. raising it is. Um, obviously, then of course that meant I had to wait until shops opened again. Yeah, because has it been? Um, well, the impression I've got is uh, lockdown's been a lot more stricter in Wales than here in England. So is it a case of what well, just everything um, was shut? Or well, at that point, yeah, yeah. Um, basically everything was kind of uh, shut, um, and because. Um, because I come from a, a visually impaired family, obviously mm. I couldn't just ask um, my mum or my dad or an uncle or anything. I couldn't ask anyone to, you know, give me a lift to somewhere else where there might be a shop open. Yeah, um, sure. I literally had to rely on the, you know, the one kind of transport option I had, public transport, etc., um, which meant I had to wait for that specific curries to open up. Okay, well, makes sense. Uh, 
Tossie, you mentioned there uh, with uh, needing to get a uh, cooker due to your sight impairment. Uh, do you mind uh, saying uh, what your uh, sight impairment is? Uh, like, uh, has it been since birth? Uh, yeah, so I've got um, inherited aniridia as my main condition, mm-hmm. um, and I have associated severe glaucoma uh, along with that. Um, over time, I've had bits and bobs like you know detached retinas, cataracts, that kind of thing as well. But as I said, yeah, my my official thing is aniridia with associated glaucoma, um, and I've had that since birth. Okay, uh, and you said it's. Uh, inherited is uh, and you sort of uh, mentioned there about uh, uh, your family being uh, blind slash visually impaired Uh, is the aniridia from both your parents just one of them Uh, my aniridia is from my dad's side Uh, my mum has different visual impairment eye conditions but uh, right. mine in specific is from my dad okay don't know where his, his came from but uh, that kind of came from nowhere way but yeah so, so as far as the rest of your family is it mainly on your mum's side then not your dad's side yes um my dad i think is the only one with a vision impairment i want to say but then on my mum's side um we've got more, um uh, yeah, my mom is completely blind. Her twin sister's completely blind, and both their parents were completely blind. Um, sure. Yeah, so like in general, that's kind of the uh, my mom's side of the family. Yeah. Okay. It's quite a, especially with uh, people I've spoken to. It's it's a very uh, different scenario. I think uh, we were sort of. Uh, chatting about it before uh, recording that most people I've met like say when I was at the Royal National College for the Blind which I'm sure we'll talk about more later you know pretty much everyone you meet uh, they're like they're the only person with a uh, sight impairment of whatever description in their family I know for me like I am there is there's no history of it uh, at all Uh, but uh, granted, my situation's slightly different to some who say are born with it, uh, with, me, uh, with me having the brain tumour at five. Uh, but yeah, it's... Like yeah, said, with, it was, with, um, it's interesting. With, yeah, with me, um, um, I've got quite an extended vision-impaired uh, vision family because um, there's obviously myself... Um, my brother is also completely blind. Yeah. Um, I have a I have a half brother who's completely blind. As I've mentioned, both my parents are visually impaired. My mum's parents are completely blind. Um, and further again, my godmother and her husband are blind. And my godfather and his wife um, are completely blind. So yeah, there's there's far too many blind people in my family. <laughs> Yeah, it must, um, as far as growing up then, like with a visual impairment, do you think, because a lot of people talk about um, where, you know, when they grow up and both their parents are sighted, like, you know, when looking back, they think of how, you know, 
you know their parents were learning with them sort of thing uh you know cuz they it was new to everyone but i guess in your case was was this i guess i would assume this was uh, different really yeah yeah for me um the way i kind of describe it in a way is because it's only been me and my dad that have some vision um even though both of ours have been have deteriorated over time um we're the only two with some useful vision um right. so for me i kind of grew up as sort of this kind of feeling like i was the sighted person mm-hmm. um especially when i was younger because i had a lot more sight it was it was never perfect but i had a lot more sight than um but growing up you know in a sense even though that it can be difficult obviously i didn't have access to cars and transport and you know some eyes to see oh what's that over there what's that over there um but you know the other flip side of the coin is i've felt quite lucky to have vision pits family because i've had straight away things like talking microwaves um cookers that were marked up to be able to be accessible um uh knowledge of magnifiers knowledge of this that, and the other Sure. You know, knowing that I, I would have to fight potentially to get something that I needed, you know, whatever it is, and especially then the um, the not the luckiness, but you know the the benefit, I guess, of having parents that if I have an issue or a problem or a challenge, whatever it is, I can just ask one of my parents. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, this this letter is I can't see this letter anymore. What do I do? And my dad's go, well. Don't be more on just scan it <laughs> and then you read it on your phone or you know whatever it is um you know it's not a case of oh i don't know how to do this and then a sighted parent might go oh i'm not sure we'll have to look into this mm-hmm. um or, or potentially ask some support from rnib or whatever it is yeah. you know i can just ask the question and pretty much gives you know a very quick response on it so that is the the luckiness of growing up like that yeah no it's I mean, it's very uh, interesting. I would have thought too, like I said, to, and I could see the, uh, I guess the uh, ways it would definitely make you make things easier. I guess it does, and I like to think of it in the way as well that it's forced me to also become very confident um, and especially very independent. You know, from an early age, um, either on my behalf, or maybe, you know, if we're in a shop and my mom needs to know where the milk is and I can't see it, you know, I would be the one to go look for the staff member and have to open my mouth and be like, excuse me, where's the milk? Yeah, you know, sure. that, you know, I've, I've had to grow up knowing there are some scenarios where you need to ask for help. Um, you need, you know, you need to be independent, you need to be confident, you know, all these kind of things that yeah. you learn maybe slightly later, but. I got to learn quite quickly and early on. So, yeah, yeah so there's still positives. Yeah, because that's definitely a big one, I know, for me, especially growing up, and I know I've spoken to other people about it, the the asking people for help is a big... Yes. I mean, it still is a big no-no for some people, even when they're an adult. And I know it's a, it's definitely a big one for people who lose their sight mm. later in life, uh, you know, and, have, and when they're trying to adjust, you know, they uh, just don't want to ask... Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess with uh, so many uh, 
uh, family members being uh, blind in some way? Uh, did you have um, many dogs around? Like, were you a guide dog family? Yes, we were. Um, I've actually now got my own guide dog, so she's my first one. Yeah. But I think, if I remember, I think I worked out she's something like the, ooh, I want to say sixth guide dog to actually be in my house uh well i should say in my parents house sure um i think my mom has had about three or four my dad's um my dad's had two and on the waiting list now and as i said i have daisy that i've had for a couple of years now um and on top of that my my um actually my grandpa had a guide dog for quite a long time okay. as well um until obviously he got I guess, in a basic term, my grandpa got too old to be able to, you know, adequately keep the dog because he obviously right. couldn't go out for as many walks, etc. Um, but also then, as I said, like my both sets of my godparents, um, all four of them had guide dogs, so constantly always been around a guide dog, um, which which has been really great because you know being being the one at that point when I you know when it wasn't my own dog, um, all I got to do was all the fun stuff, all the play with the dog and fuss mm-hmm. the dog stroke the dog and maybe you know help out to pop them to the toilet or something but yeah. i didn't have to do all the yucky stuff of the oh it's peeing down but the dog has to go for a walk or the the dog's muddy needs to get um you know need to clean the dog yeah or sure. get up early and feed the dog Ugh. but yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah no it's i could see uh especially growing up as uh a nice element to have. So feel yeah, like... so for me, it's really strange to be somewhere or to go somewhere. So, for example, when I went to university, that was before I had Daisy. So that was three years where I wasn't around a dog. And it was mm. the weirdest time of my life, um, dog-wise. Yeah, yeah on, on the one hand, it was strange. I didn't really like it because there wasn't that little company next to. But then on the other side of the coin, there was the, I could put my shoes down and they'd be in the same place five minutes later. Other, other, have the dogs normally um, been a fan of shoes then? N- not all of them. Um, they've each, um, as you might know yourself, you know, guy, a lot. Um, most guide dogs have their own personality and characters. Certainly. So... Some have liked to pick up uh, something that's been on the floor, whereas others will will just lie there and not not care at all. Yeah. But especially my uh, my own dog, those Daisy, she's probably one of the the worst one in the family when it comes to things like that. Though she does really have a bit of an obsession with footwear. Um, she'll pick up your shoe, your slipper, even your socks if if you leave them on the floor. Um, so yeah, she she's definitely taught me to make. To be even tidier than than I had to be anyway, you know. Yeah, and um, it's an important question: is uh, what breed is Daisy? Daisy is a pure black Labrador. Okay. And uh, nice. she, it's it's a bit strange still at the moment. She turned four only um, three months ago, so I'm still getting used to her being four. Since I've I. I spent so long getting used to her as being three when I was finally used to it. Now she's four. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> you're older. Oh. Yeah, I have to rem- remember to tell people the age because that's the one I find when um, people, because obviously, especially when out, a lot of people ask how old the dog is, and mm. 
um, if they've just in uh, my dog's case, like he turned seven in May, so like early May, so then like for the first few weeks afterwards, there's a part of like it's almost like you know they ask how old he is, and mm. I've started to say six without thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the, I mean, the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter if I give them the wrong age, but then, I don't know, in my mind, I'm there. Like, I want to give the correct age. I don't want to... I'm the same. I'm the same. But um, for me, um, I'm not so it's quite bothered about the, the age. Um, a lot of people, though, naturally assume your dog is a male. That's the mm. that's the um, main thing I get with Daisy. People come up and, oh, isn't he lovely? What's his name? And I have to purposely go, oh, her name is Daisy, you know. Yeah. Oh, she's a girl. Oh, sorry. That's fine. You didn't know. It's fine. Like, I'd like think you didn't come over and check underneath and then. No, um, that's the thing, isn't know. it? Uh, yeah. It's, I, it's weird because you say that because I think it's decreased recently, but especially when he was younger, I got a lot of people um, asking me what's her name with my with really? my current dog. Yes. I don't know if it's because... I don't know if there's something about him that makes him look more... F- I don't know how this would work, obviously, but, you know, visual stuff, but, like, you know, particularly mm. feminine when it comes to dogs. I don't know if there's something about him. But, perhaps um, he's quite... Is he quite slim um, and a smaller build, perhaps? Because like, that's possibly... He's not that small. That's the thing. He's, he's, he's smaller oh. than my first dog, but that's because my first dog was pretty big. Um, I don't know if you ever... Um, met my first dog because I know we I know you were no when you were visiting RNC I know we met like once or twice but uh, but yeah it's um, no he's, he's a decent size it's not like yeah because I would get that yeah if he was a smaller dog I would un, I would understand people's assumption but no he's he's a decent size so I don't know what it be is fair, that's, yeah to be fair that's the that's uh, genuinely the first time I've heard that um, most pe- the most I get is when when I have friends that have female guide dogs, and then they say the exact thing, the same thing as me. People come yeah. over and, and assume it's a male, but I've never really heard the other way around where they have a male and people assume it's a female. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I really I don't know why it is because I suppose if they weren't strangers, I feel like a part of me would want to. It's like maybe one day I'll do it, like just survey them, just be there. Like what 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 is it about <laughs> him that made you think he was a female? Oh, uh, see, I'd want to ask that as a natural first question. Yeah. Like, what? Okay, first bit, here's a questionnaire. What do you mean? Well, I just want to know why Why you thought it was a female. Yeah. I want, I want to learn these, visuals, these visual things. Uh, yeah. But uh, you, so you talked about um, uh, sight uh, deteriorating uh, over time. Uh, like, was that um from a from a young age or was that a, you know more as you became an adult you know teens uh i guess um my sight has always been deteriorating right i guess the the best way of describing it is it's always been deteriorating but because it mm-hmm. happens really slowly um i never really picked up on it for quite a long time Sure. Um, and then it wasn't until I'd had a big significant change in my sight was then I go, ooh, ooh, okay, I've, I've lost some sight, but there, um, lost some sight there. Um, but in the general, um, 
scheme of things, as I said, it's because it's um, it's deteriorated really slowly. Mm-hmm. So I hardly noticed until, for example, I think the first time weight loss was one day. I don't know why. Just now and again, when I was younger, I would kind of um, put a hand over one eye just to kind of test and see what I could see, in, you know, individually in each eye. And uh, one day I woke up and put my hand over my right eye and I realized I couldn't see anything out of my left eye at all. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, so that I think that was, I, I can't remember how old I was at that point, but uh, sure. that was the first time I went, oh my God, I've lost sight. You know, like proper amount. Not just, I think I've lost sight because maybe I'm straining slightly more to see that. You know, because that could be anything to do with, like, could be to do with, because I'm very photophobic because I haven't got an iris because mm-hmm. I'm aniridia. So, you yeah. know, it could have been just because it was bright on the day, could have been this, that, and the other. But then, you know, having that day where I woke up, looked only through my left eye, I was like, whoa, why is everything black? And I had to kind of go into my mum's bedroom and be like, man, I can't, I don't think I can see it on my left eye. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm interesting um yeah we should probably tell someone <laughs> yeah no, but, I can, yeah i'd imagine it'd be uh interesting but sort of just uh again you sort of mentioned about having no sign in your left eye but to i guess uh sort of put it in perspective of the amount of deterioration for people like when you were younger and uh like what was like the range of what you could see like so i know like an example of uh being in class, say, and uh, seeing the whiteboard slash blackboard? So, the best way I can probably describe it from then to now, I'd probably say when I was quite young, I could sit on a table towards the front of the class and see what was on the blackboard. Whereas, if I was to do that today, I would literally have to stand in front, like, directly in front of that blackboard, and I'd probably still not really be able to see what I said on there. Okay. And that's with the... And you were saying you have none in the left, you only have the little bit in the right? Yes. Okay. I don't even have light or dark or anything on my left. It's it, all my sides now. Well, I'd probably say... Because I recently lost some peripheral sight as well, so I'd probably say in my right eye, I just have some central vision. Okay. And I guess with that happening... Um, was that quite, um, you know, stressing? You know, was that quite, you know, unnerving for you, or did you like with the? Do you think it may have actually, say, helped in the way that you'd grown up around, you know, other blind people? Um, I think as a starting point, I'd have to be honest and say it was flipping terrifying. Mm. Um, you know, to have yeah I'd have really good sight and then all of a sudden just nothing at all especially in the left and all this um but yeah I guess the first reaction is well I'm terrified um but I guess having the visual um the vision impaired family helps a lot because you know like I said my dad's in a similar boat himself because he's got um the same conditions as me you know so he's losing sight as well so, you know, we can kind of bond over that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, seeing so many people around me, because I've got so many friends as well with different all sorts of vision impairments themselves, 
you know, being to look around and go, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, you know, it matters to you, um, obviously, but, you know, in the grand scheme of life and that, it doesn't really matter because there's so many things, especially nowadays, that can help with X, Y, and Z, that it, it helps to calm you, I guess, might be the best way of saying it, just to calm yourself down a little bit and go, I can't see my post. Oh, my God, oh my God. Well, thank God I don't live... I do a hundred years ago because I'd be, um, you know, wouldn't be able to see my post. But yeah. uh, you know, now what well, you can scan it on your computer. You can use apps to read it to you. You can, uh, you know, so many like kind of different ways to do it nowadays. Um, or, well, whatever it is. So it, that's, I guess, that's helped um, to do it. But also, I guess one of my main things as well is I'm lucky to go to Moorfields Eye Hospital in London. So, okay. um, I, it's because when I had, I think I was like 11 or something, I needed, uh, because my glaucoma is quite severe, um, is really high. So I have to end up having an, a tube put in the back of my eye. Um, okay. and I've stuck with them ever since. Um, one, because he, that doctor was the specialist that did my tube. So we want to stay with him. Um, but I've still been there ever since I was 11, because as my mom would say, Moorfields is branded as, you know, the best of the best, you know, that's where all the sort of the specialists are, it's where research is done. And long story short, if they don't know what can help save my site, then we know we've done all we can to prevent sight loss, if you see what I'm saying. Whereas yes, if I went to sense. someone Yeah, so perhaps if I went to someone not quite as knowledgeable or you know, more the grand scheme, you know, didn't have access to these kind of resources like Morfields does, you know, I potentially could be wondering for who knows how long after thinking, oh, could something have been done? Could this have happened? Could that happen? But at least with Morfields, I know, right. We can yeah. try it. But if they go, oh, there's, there's, unfortunately, there's nothing left to us to try, then I know, okay, well, we've done everything we can. So that's that kind of helps a little, I guess, to help the the mentality, etc., of how how uh, the emotion emotional roller coaster is. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, you mentioned about having a, a tube put at the back of your eye. Like, can you expand? Like, do you know on like why that was done? What that was, you yes. know, to achieve? Yes. So that's. Uh, in a nutshell, it's because my glaucoma was severe, so um, my the fluid in my eyes wasn't getting drained properly. So I've got a tube in the back of my right eye to help dr to do that, um, to do that function to drain the fluid, okay. because your eyes are supposed to be in between something around say ten to twenty as a number, which is your eye pressure. But mm -hmm. mine have been. Well, my left eye has been down to zero and my right eye actually quite recently went up to about 70, seven zero. So that is not good to be either side of that 10 to 20 mark. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, so the long, um, what's the term? Uh, so the point of, of the tubes, obviously, to try and stabilize my eye pressure because if the eye pressure is unstable, it, that leads, that is the glaucoma that has made the sight loss, that has um, uh, made me lose sight. The aniridia just means I haven't got an iris. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it's the glaucoma that is the thing that's deteriorating my eyesight. So the sure. tube is there to help you try and it's one of the tools to help me keep as much sight as, as long as kind of possible. Okay. And uh, out of interest is, because I know you say about your sight deteriorating, in the couple of years you've had Daisy, has it, has it deteriorated since then as well? Because I'm just wondering about um, sometimes, I think, uh, isn't it that with, with guide dogs, it can be said um, when it comes to like uh, sight deteriorating, say for example, uh, I'm at best point this, uh, so a guide dog uh, with uh, someone who has some sight, it's going to be different to say a guide dog with someone who's totally blind. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have been losing sight since I've had her. Um, but interestingly, from from what you said, yeah. Um, I was actually told um, by Daisy's instructor, she didn't feel that Daisy should be matched to someone who was completely blind, because Daisy does like to take advantage. She does like to really push those barriers and test test those um boundaries right uh so she she felt the perfect kind of match would be someone with at least some useful vision which is one of the reasons that we were matched okay. uh, which was fabulous because i gotta be honest i i actually for my first guide dog i actually waited about five and a half years to to get daisy it's a very long time wow so yeah was that, were you on the list the whole time for that? Or was like, were there some complications? I had complications because um, right. uh, I, I the five and a half years is basically from the first form I filled in mm-hmm. um, slash just chat with guide dogs to then the time I got her. Um, but in between, uh, there were things like I went to university, so um, by after a discussion I had with guide dogs, it didn't feel it would be quite appropriate perhaps because I'd be trained in, because I went to uni down Cornwall, um, okay. down in Falmouth. So they were saying either she could be trained in Falmouth, but then would have to be retrained when I got home and finished university. Because my plans were to definitely go back home, back here to Wales. Or I could be trained with a guide dog back at home. But then of course I'd have brought dog to university and then it'd have to be retrained all over again so um that was kind of the perspective so um based on that as well i was when we were really having these kind of in-depth chats i was about to go into my third year anyway so by that point like well i've already waited like three odd years i'm about to go into my third year of university i'm already stressed out you know yeah let's put me on hold and let's just uh I'll let you know as soon as I finish my course because this is getting a bit too much for me now. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because also then when I got... Uh, actually, when I got back home, then, then I had a couple of other problems. Um, but the main one was... Um, uh, go, uh, somebody who came to assess my parents' place um, said uh, the fence wasn't secure enough, they didn't feel. Okay. Which we found a little bit odd because my dad had a guide dog in the house at that exact time and had never been told that was an issue so it was a bit odd mm. all of a sudden i'm being told that yeah but uh unfortunately because my parents are in a council house so we had to get the council to prep the fence and i'm not kidding the council took a year 
to um, source um, people that would, you know, put up the fence and then for them to employ them and then for them to pay them, etc. So that was a whole year of my waiting as well. We're just waiting for the council to put up a, a secure fence around the garden. Yeah. So I had a, yeah, I had quite a lot of uh, complications. Nothing's ever easy, Megan, so I... <laughs> Uh, I feel like enough. I feel like it very rarely is in anyone's life. <laughs> so true. But um, what was uh, what did you end up studying at uni? I studied creative events management. Okay. So that basically means I did event management, but the um. How, how should I word it? The main aim was how to be creative, how to be different. So if you're going to do a music concert or a, a book festival, how are you going to be different? How are you going to be creatively different to every other music festival or, or book festival that there is out there? You know, it was all about how to be creative with your event rather than a, most other event management um, degrees are obviously very business focused um and on the economy and things like that you know and how to how to do an event and to make sure you get profit from it kind of thing um unless obviously your interest is charity and third sector um but a lot of it is based on business and how to get profit which i'm not interested in um but the point of the course i did one it was creative but more than anything else because i wasn't planning to go to university nobody else in my family had been to uni so it was never really a thought i'd ever had in my head um but this course that my friend showed me in falmouth um the whole the kind of whole point was that it was a hands-on course um and i'm definitely and i don't know if this is me as my personality or if my sight impairment obviously probably comes into a bit as well um but i'm a doer not a thinker as they say i need to do hands-on learning right so being able to in my second or third year to have a group to think of an event and then we actually get up and get to put on that event rather than if I was at a different uni and all we would do is just hype, um, uh, do a hypothetical event. You know, we'd sit down, we'd discuss it and we'd think of all the things we'd do, how we'd get the finances, you know, it'd all be theory and put on paper. Whereas the one I did, it was like, okay, we're going to do this, which we did actually do. It's an actual example. Um, we want to do it, in my second year, an escape room. So we actually okay. then got to get up and actually make an escape room um, on our campus and then get, you know, get people, you know, sell tickets and get people to come along and all that kind of thing. It was amazing. Um, sure, and yeah. in fact, uh, in fact, in my third year was the my favorite one as well because um, I slightly, I guess you could say, I kind of led it. Well, I, I can't, well, I did lead it. Um, in my third year, I was in a lovely group who we all had quite similar mindsets and uh, the idea about a disability awareness type of event came up and uh, I kind of steered it to become uh, a sensory awareness event okay. and it was really fun because it was it was an immersive event because I'm as I said much more of a doer um, perspective so you know we had like in a room uh, so we, we had the participants in a room and we put blindfolds on them. Uh, no, we didn't. Sorry. We turned the lights off and we got them to do very basic things, you know, kind of everyday things like count count money, you know, so it's like a big pot of change. We wanted them to, you know, count out 
you know, sure. your three pounds seventy for the bus or whatever it was, that kind of thing. Uh, we gave them a load of block, uh, blocks, like Lego type thing, and said, right, you need to make this shape, or we need, you know, create something out of these, but without your sight. Um, then in a different room, we got them to put on U defenders, and we did like a little uh, game um, for them to get an idea of having a urine impairment. Mm. Um, and at another point, we actually uh, kicked in some of the the, the tech. Um, and it actually brought up all the lights and kind of started flickering the lights, flickering noises, all that kind of thing to, uh, what's the word, to show what it could be like to have um, to have autism and to have a sensory overload. Because okay. I had found out you can have sensory overloads yep. with autism. So it was all to do with, first we showed them what it was like to have a sensory loss. And then we showed them what it was like to have a complete overload of all your senses. Um, so that yeah, that was uh, sounds good. Really cool, yeah, really cool. Did it go down well? Yeah, actually, everybody. Unfortunately, we didn't get as many people who went as we would have liked to have. But it was a really tough time, you know, lots of exams on and stuff at that. Unfortunately, at that exact sure. point, so people either studying or actually doing their exams. Um, but we had, you know, the people we had come to the event. Everybody enjoyed it. Um, somebody actually said to, to one of us, um, oh, but he was a, uh, a little, uh, what's the word, um, off-put by all, all the flickering noises and, and the lights and stuff. It put me off while I was doing a little bit. And I turned to them to say, that that's perfect. That's the point. That, mm, that's yeah. awareness right there. Because you might have a sensory overload and you could be in the middle of your shopping. You could be in the middle of a lecture. Like it could happen at any point, so that's exactly what it is like to put well, potentially, obviously. We're not saying this is exactly what it's like, but sure. you know, this is an idea of what it would be to have this sensory overload. So that was a perfect response. Um, and because obviously, we want to be creative, etc., uh, and we know a lot of people at that particular uni had dyslexia and you know, uh, um, different learning styles, we instead of just giving out a questionnaire or a survey, et cetera, we actually, um, I realized in the, well, our headquarters, we kind of called it like the quiet room kiss, anything got too much for anyone. Um, I realized there was like just a big whiteboard. So we ended up just getting whiteboard pens. And we said, when they finished the event, we all came back in there, had a bit of a chat. And then uh, we asked them to either write something or draw something or whatever it was to just give us some feedback of how what you know what they learned or if they enjoyed it blah 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 and it was really even that in itself was really interesting to see people's learning styles etc because when they left we were looking at the whiteboard and there were some people that um you know put sentences down um to say how much they enjoyed it there were people that did little doodles of like particular part they liked and there was one person that actually did a whole spider diagram um about it had event in the middle and then did like branches off to to bits of the event uh particular things they wanted to say so that was really interesting yeah no that yeah sounds good so, sounds so uh i was going to ask her was then because the way you've said it was farmworth was the only sort of choice then there was no alternative when it came to uni oh i see so with this particular uni, sorry um, yeah yeah, with the degree. Yeah, for yeah. this particular, yeah, for this particular degree with the hands-on and the creativity, this was yes. the only one in the UK. Yeah, and that and that was the only thing you were interested in. It wasn't like. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, it all sounds sounds very good. Uh, what we were talking about and everything. Because uh, yeah, the the sense of I think the I like the idea that you um, did for um, the uh, being blind. It's very um, I don't know if it occur if it occurred to you when coming up with it, but it's. It's, it's a similar idea to the uh, Dine in the Dark experience in London. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've, we've found it quite interesting about well, one of the other groups. Um, unfortunately, they had to cancel their event, but they were actually going to do a Dine in the Dark event as well. So they were asking me some questions about it. Um, but yeah, that's exactly that. It's that immersive experience, which mm. I'm really interested in more than anything else, because I guess it's the way I learn more than um more than theory based so it yeah uh, and like i said every every single person that came enjoyed it and actually learned something from it so it was amazing. even the you know even to the volunteers because mm-hmm. that was um, a specific emphasis i put in my um evaluation afterwards as well as like not even it, it wasn't just the participants it was even the the volunteers i was able to get to help out the event even they had you know, got the element of um, being able to enjoy it as well, and they got to learn something from helping us, like set up or us explain to them what's going to be happening, um, all that kind of thing as well, which is which is really cool. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. And uh, when it came to being at uni at that point, what was your uh, way of working? Like, you know, when it came to writing stuff, was it uh, like touch typing? Braille. Uh, um. So, if you mean like at lectures and seminars, I had um, I was fortunate to have a one-to-one um note taker. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I discovered in school, I found it difficult to listen and to write. Th- uh, you know, make notes and write things. Either yeah, sure. I could, yeah, either I could write it, then I wouldn't be taking in the information because it'd go one in one year and out the other because i'd be so focused on typing it or i could listen then because i wouldn't have notes so at uni um i made sure to get a note taker um but then say you know if i'm in my room doing an assignment then yeah i'd be uh i'm a touch typist yeah so i would be using my uh, accessibility software etc to um uh, type on my computer um, what software do you use, like JAWS, or do you have a Mac? <laughs> um, when I was at uni, um, I've been a Zoom text user for quite a long time now, um, specifically with the magnification okay. and uh, and invert colours especially, because it got to a stage with my eyes that uh, uh, I could only actually see inverted text now, so instead of seeing black writing on a white background, mm-hmm. which I used to be able to do easy enough as a child, I started to realise I could only properly see if it was uh, white writing on a black background. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know if my eyes just got used to it, if they're more comfortable with that, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the software I used when I was at uni. Though, uh, <laughs> though now um, nowadays, um, and at work, that's something I got for work actually is zoom text fusion so that's the software with the zoom text is kind of merged with jaws so okay. the magnification yeah the magnification side is is zoom text software but then the speech software is actually jaws 
Um, and I've, uh, I'm not going to lie, um, for a very, very, very long time, I've hated speech. I don't like speech. I've avoided it at every single point I can. Be, I, I don't know. My brain just doesn't like it. It just resists it, um, even with voiceover. But nowadays, my eyes have got to that kind of low-level degree now. I've had to kind of take very small baby steps into the voice world. And I have had to use JAWS. I've had some a bit of training to use the software work uh, through access to work and um and i've had to use voiceover bit by bit as well in certain circumstances so i'm trying i'm trying but it's very difficult yeah the, do you have it's also is there any, any i suppose reason you know why you're you're so resistant to it or is it just one of those things um I think possibly if I had to give an answer right now off the top of my head, I think it's because I'm not used to it. It's because sure. I've always been, I guess, that as I mentioned earlier, I've always felt like the sighted person of the family, even yeah. though I, I am technically vision bid. Um, so I've always, obviously, for myself and potentially, you know, six, seven other people, relied on my eyesight. So I, I never used, had to use it as a child. Um, I know it's kind of a new world to me a little bit, even though I know a lot about it, like the gist, you know, I, I know quite a lot about Jaws, what it is, how it works, blah, blah, blah. Um, but not having to use it, I guess it was just in the habit that it slows me down, I feel. So if I want to look at a web page, for example, this is one of my bugbears I'm trying hard to get over. But uh, say if I'm looking at a web page, you know, I had to learn that, um i've been taught that you know you need to look around there you need to use your speech to navigate around and figure out firstly what is on that page before you can actually use that page mm-hmm. sure but i feel that's going to take me can't well maybe that'll take me 20 minutes compared to if i just looked at the screen it might take me five minutes to have a quick glance and potentially quickly find what i want anyway because yeah. i'm a very a to z person i'm very like even walking um, when I was being officially taught at RNC mobility, you know, that's the one thing that always came up every single time is, Meg, you need to slow down. Or you're going to walk into something, Meg, you need to slow down, or you're not going to use your cane properly. All these kind of things. So I think it's just that habit that, I, you know, I'm used to my eyes and that's how it is. But I'm having to be, my eyes are actually forcing me to go, right, slow down a bit because you can't do it like that anymore. Sure. If that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean, I definitely the the. I mean, I've been using jaws from a very young age, and I still find it frustrating how much longer to go around the website it feels. Mm. Especially in compare, if you then compare it to, I've I've always had to use voiceover. Like looking at a screen isn't really an option for me. But even like if you compare it to say mm. having a touch screen with a iPhone or an iPad it's yeah. it's just so much longer to do the whole tabbing around and oh, yeah. uh, thing it, it can be very frustrating I don't but I will say myself I've always I'm very conscious of the fact that I've I've been a especially when I was a kid I'm not as bad as I was but I've always been a pretty big technophobe at my core <laughs> to be honest uh, and especially when I was a kid especially when I was younger. 
Uh, Lucky not using Zoom and everything. <laughs> yeah, still need. Sometimes I still need some assistance with it and everything. I mean, it's one of those things at this point. It's kind of. I feel like it's impossible to be a full technophobe in the modern day, especially when you are mm. uh, blind and or visually impaired in some way. You kind of. It's the only way forward, really. At this mm-hmm. point, it is true. Yeah, it is true. Too far. It's like you said, like, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, it would have been pretty frustrating um, and pretty much impossible because that's what I always find. I know some people would say it's ruining the game, but it's like when people go to you, oh, what if you could go back to any time period, what which would you do? And I'm just there like, I mean, none, because I wouldn't be able to live. <laughs> just there, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's what I say about this, you know, the pandemic and everything. I'm like, you know, I, I, I know it's really difficult and things, but at least, you know, we're lucky to have things like our Zoom teams and FaceTime and your phones and your oh, mobile. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been a lot. You know. It's been, it has been horrible. I'm not, yeah, I would never take away from that. Like, and obviously worse for some others than, Absolutely, you, know, yeah. you know, and, you know, for whatever reason, but there is definitely no, de- yeah, there's no denying that. Uh, you know, yeah. If, if we didn't have the technology, it would have been a lot worse. Uh, there's, you know, even like when you think of like something as simple, like I know some people may laugh at this, but generally, if you think of something as simple as twenty years ago, you wouldn't have had Netflix and Disney yeah. Plus. Yeah, I feel like that would have also <laughs> taken away. That would have made it a bit of a struggle, more of a struggle for some as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I agree. It's. It's one of those like, things. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, also you can't beat social interaction, obviously, face to face. Because, like, I'd be a hypocrite because that, that I love that more than anything else. I'd much prefer to meet someone face to face, have a chat, than yeah, than do it over Zoom or Teams, whatever it is. But uh, you know, you gotta yeah. kind of just work with things you've got. No, uh, sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy social interaction. I mean, I'm probably I'm not as social as some people I enjoy my alone time stuff but one I really mm. wanted and it was because actually we went into uh, the initial lockdown at the end of my uh, time at uni so it was a bit of a struggle in, on this front is I always mm. wanted to meet um, my you know the modules tutors face to face one to one to then it just would help me with like understand more or any you know mm. I didn't like emailing back and forth um, yeah yeah. I I can I can uh, appreciate that I've got to say because obviously I went to uni however many years ago now um, and if I had to do it in this day and age I really don't think I'd have either done as well as I did or maybe even passed at all um, like I had lots of struggles anyway at uni especially the social side but the, if then academically if my only avenue would be to email them um, on I really don't think i'd have got as much out of it academically even at all i think i just need that kind of okay you've said that can you just clarify that you know and if you're face to face you can do that in five seconds what is the emailing potentially can you just clarify this might take another two days for you to get a response no there's that also i think i think it's in my case especially and i i would imagine this would be a a situation potentially for obviously other blind and visually impaired people is with the email back and forth it's like with voiceover it's there's something to be said at the end of the day when you hear it in an actual human voice it just make it just it's just clearer than hearing yeah. it in you know in the robotic voice of 
um, Jaws or I mean voiceovers a bit better on an iPhone it's not as robotic but it's still it's not human you know at the end of the yeah. day yeah um, I, yeah now like I said yeah especially having to try and force myself to use it on emails at the moment because I feel that's kind of my one of my baby steps with Jaws mm. um, using instead of using my eyes to read somebody's response I'll use Jaws so I, I, I can understand what you mean but especially I guess though coming from um you know wales um everything has to be like under the law everything has to be bilingual so i yes. bet if you were someone that had to completely rely on voice or speech um that must be even more p- possibly frustrating because you've got to read through all this stuff the jaws is trying its best to pronunciate but probably doing say, a terrible job at that i can't imagine jaws unless if it's Unless if there's some sort of additional thing you can add to its program, I can't imagine it would be very good, um, you know, reading and voiceover, to be honest. Unless if you have a particular thing set on it, I can't imagine it would be very good at reading Welsh. Because, I mean, it no, struggles to... Because, I mean, I've I've had things where my voiceover, they say it mispronounces... Um, uh, Malaysian words because my, my my wife is Malaysian so you know like names and stuff it's like it's not fully correct yeah um uh yeah uh, that's what I was going to say um because I think there is um I want to say that there is something out there now I wouldn't be surprised voice, yeah, I, nowadays yeah I wouldn't be surprised if there's something I, well I think it's only recently come out um but I think there's something that is supposed to be programmed to be able to understand Welsh, but I think it's right. quite early days on that. Sure. But, uh, yeah, um, I guess my point is just like, yeah, if, if you're dealing with other different languages potentially as well, either because of your course or because of your personal um, your personal life, then that's pretty much, it must make it even more difficult and frustrating um, if you're a speech user. Oh, you're making me not want to use it even more. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not good. Not trying to achieve that. So, <laughs> are you? Um, are you? Um, I know you have to learn, but are you pretty good at uh, Welsh? Would you say you're bilingual? No, unfortunately, um, I I I am proud enough to say I got an A in GCSEs Welsh. But okay. it's that thing, isn't it? If you don't use it, you lose it. Sure. So because nobody around me spoke Welsh. Um, because uh, nobody around me spoke Welsh, you know, I didn't get a yeah. chance to put it into practice, and therefore I've forgotten a lot of it. Like, don't get me wrong, I I know how to ask where the toilet is. <laughs> Can I go to the toilet or something? <laughs> That's handy. Um, if, if it doesn't involve the toilet, uh, then I'm <laughs> a little bit more stumped. <laughs> uh, so it's yes, yeah, isn't it? The statistic is like thirty percent of the country speak it. Like as their first language, is it something like that? Um, I'm not sure. I I want to say maybe slightly lower, but that yeah, could it be might right. Be, it might be lower um, now. Well, no, actually, I I think possibly it it should be going up the numbers because okay. uh, a lot more a lot more people are um cause there's more Welsh medium schools, um okay. so people are sending their children more to um learn Welsh that in through school uh, sure. a lot of people because it's now under the law you have to be bilingual so a lot of people are doing courses through work etc even if it's to pick up the phone and be like hi that you've reached blah 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 blah, blah and you know then you have to say it again in Welsh 
Um, so I'd say bit by bit, the numbers are probably creeping up. Because um, there's also, a, and I, it wouldn't surprise me because I know a lot of people in lockdown that also use du- things like Duolingo, including myself. I actually tried to learn Welsh from uh, Duolingo myself as well, including a lot of other people. But uh, I stopped, I think, after about 200 odd days because I started, uh, once we got past sort of more basic stuff that I kind of was more refreshing myself about when we started getting to more complicated things, that's when my learning style kicked in, I think, because it obviously would do longer. It's more about you read it and then hopefully you understand, you know, um, sure. you understand why it's it's like that. Um, whereas, because there wasn't like someone like could go, right, why is that word like that? Why is that sentence in that structure? Because there wasn't that sort of feature available i i was really struggling to learn then so i i kind of stopped but uh, i think there's still i think welsh has become more and more popular and things like dueling though well i'm not surprised about the sort of it being made legal because i think it's very much it's very much a case of not one uh i think a lot of people i'd imagine in the country it, it don't want it to die you know want to want to keep it around as uh you know part of the uh I guess the culture, you know, of of uh, of the nation. Uh, the, yeah, one of the the most. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was, oh, this really amused me. I don't know if you've ever looked on like Google Translate, but if I want to have a quick look at what a word is in Welsh, um, uh, I'm just going to Google, like you know, English to Welsh translator, and they're writing the English word, and underneath there, there's like a little audio button. So right. the English, it'll be say something like library. Mm-hmm. And then you go over to the Welsh side, which is now translated into the Welsh, and then it's the most robotic voice you've ever heard in your life. Like, it's it's it, it's weird. You know, there's a kind of a natural kind of female voice for the English, but then as soon as you turn to the Welsh, it oh oh it's it's horrible, but it's quite funny at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It, it sounds amusing. To be fair, no, I I the one I've I don't know my only because uh, I don't understandably I guess being uh, f- from England obviously no no connection to Wales it's it's not Welsh the language is not really something I've uh, ha- come across much I will say one time I think that I know uh, people I've told found amusing was uh, when visiting uh, Hereford like R and C in Hereford as you as you know former students often mm-hmm. would do. Uh, to get there, I'd have to get the train to uh, Newport and yeah. then um, get off and then get on one to Hereford. But mm-hmm. uh, this one time I was there, uh, I don't know. I think it, I, I think it was early to get to get to Hereford at a decent time. I'd got up early, so I was still a bit sleepy. And when I got off at Newport and was getting assistance and was walking on the platform, obviously the announcement came over the tannoy. Um, mm-hmm. but initially in Welsh uh, as they do yeah. and in my brain I was just there like when did I leave the UK <laughs> just there like I just completely <laughs> my sleepiness just completely freaked myself out for a second I was just there like what <laughs> just then like where am I um, yeah oh, that's funny yeah but it yeah it's, it's odd. but um, to go um, slightly backwards uh, you well, actually, with talking about RNC, I guess we'll do with that. Um, so, when you went to RNC, like, what 
led to you choosing that? Had people in your family previously gone or, you know? Yeah, my parents in a way actually met at RNC. Okay. Um, they didn't get together at RNC, but that's where they kind of, they, that's where they first met, funnily enough. Right. Um, so a little bit of an RNC story. And it was kind of frustrating, but quite amusing um, to when I went there um, to have, what would you call them? Like teachers, lecturers, whatever. Sure. Um, to have the staff members go, oh, you, you Price's daughter, you, oh, you're Christine's story. Oh, I don't, not lovely. All that kind of thing, you know. Oh, crumbs another person knows one of my parents oh god here we go um but that was that was kind of nice because you know that that gave me a nice way to actually start talking to a lot of especially staff members sure um but i i, I actually myself went to rnc to be honest mainly because uh for about three years before that i didn't do anything um other than help to look after my gran a bit um to help support her because um, she was wheelchair bound, etc. Um, so I'd been looking for employment, as I said, for about three years, and I got quite fed up. You know, it was kind of turned into a very routine thing of of uh, of life, really. Sure. Um, one day just kind of started blurring into another, and it was always either I, either I was at home or I was at the gym or I was at my grand's helping helping my grand, which you know. Well, then was lovely but you know day in day out it it wasn't what i was looking for um so yeah long story short after about three years i ended up uh, applying for rnc and yeah i went um i went there went to an open day and i put down to do i think uh business or something oh business and admin i think it was um but i was told uh i think i was told they weren't running it that year or something so um, I was put onto business studies instead. And during the rest of uh, the, what you call it, the walk around the college to have a look around, you know, we accidentally, like genuinely accidentally went into the performing arts studio. And then uh, the guy that was giving the tour said, realized, oh wait, hang on, we haven't got anyone that's actually put down for performing arts. And then because I'd already been involved in a, in UCAM Productions, which is a, a drama group for visually impaired people in Wales. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so I was, yeah, I had interest in dramas and things anyway, but I didn't really feel I had the confidence to actually go to something like a college and actually do drama or, or performance. But while we were there, I kind of screwed up my courage a little bit and I was like, well, I haven't put it down, but I am interested in performing arts. Sure. Um, and then, so, well, long story short again, I guess, um, he, he ended up arranged for me to talk to the performing arts tutor. Uh, we had a chat and I actually ended up doing performing arts for my two years at RNC then. Right. Uh, which, cool. and I'm so glad that that accidental walk into that studio happened because business I struggled with because a lot of it was like economy and all these kind of things that my brain doesn't really work towards. Right. I try my best. But see, there's just some things you've got to accept you're not the best at. But then performing arts, oh, I loved it every time. I knew I was going to a performing arts lesson. I was like, "Yeah, let's go! I'm up. Let's go! I'm, I, I'm loving it." So yeah, so it turned into a really good two years. Yeah, no, I, that's. It's uh, interesting how, um, you know, sometimes just uh, uh, an unintentional thing can lead to uh, 
I guess, a positive. Yeah, and it was really interesting for me because I've, so I've, um, other than RNC, I've always been a mainstream, which I'm quite, well, I'm actually really glad about because it, yeah. you know, it really forced me to learn a lot about, you know, life and how people are. And, you know, I wasn't cotton wool, you know, I've never been cotton wool, thank gosh. Um, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, it taught me how how people are and all that kind of thing and how to deal with situations. Um, but then it was really strange then to go to RNC, which, uh, so during the lessons, you know, having people to go, right, what format do you need this in? Or uh, going on the computer and having the software you need uh, just automatically, um, you know, because you press like the one for your jaws or your tooth or whatever it was. Yes. Um, all that kind of thing. Or, you know, having... Um, particular landmarks in particular places specifically so that you could easily learn how to get to places all these kind of things it was so strange to have it in an education facility where yeah. i'm kind of used to when i was in uh, my comp i was very used to my one-to-one -one that i was supposed to have usually um having to help say my brother which i understood because he's completely blind so obviously he needs he needed obviously the support and more than me because I still had fairly ish good vision at that point, you know. So, you needed things obviously brailled, which also takes time, blah blah blah. But of course, on the other hand, it didn't really help me educationally, it was really, it, I found it quite difficult. So, when they were like, Right, are you gonna be okay? Because I need to go help your, you know, your brother in his lesson, or I need to get this brailled for your brother. Um, then that made me quite anxious, and then if I couldn't see what was on on the board or being talked about or i couldn't see what was in the book then i really struggled a lot but then go to rnc and getting all these amazing things just given to me and i didn't need to ask for it or fight for it or in some cases it wouldn't surprise me if there were some things that happened that i wouldn't have even have thought of asking for they just sort of appeared magically and it was really nice i could sure. actually in independently have education it, in the way that I needed to learn it. Yeah. Um. In 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 uh in terms of my sight loss, it, it was fantastic. It was amazing. If only uni was like that as well, <laughs> that would have been great. But yeah. But um, it's only actually as well because of RNC. Think about it. That I went to uni because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have had the what do you call them? UCAS credits and things. UCAS points. Yeah. 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 So it was only because I had so um the support and things at RNC to be able to get those qualifications, which then led to me getting the points I needed to get my uni course um, to be able to then, again, attend university. So, yeah, quite the journey. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good that, uh, you know, that you cl uh, clearly uh, found it very uh, beneficial. Uh you mentioned while you're at RNC with your mobility classes, like uh, having uh, the cane. Were you had you always been a cane user, or was it something you started using once you realised your sight was deteriorating? Um, I think I was offered a cane to try when I was maybe in uh, like middle of, of comp. I can't think of what year or age that is, but you know when I was at comp school I was about halfway through it um and they realized like I was and I mean like looking back I was ridiculously nervous 
stupid nervous about um there was this um i guess you'd call it maybe a hill or something there was this incline slash decline of from the car park to the so the entrance of the school and i was so nervous about going up and down it because i've fallen over so many times in life um that you know i'd kind of check with my foot to make sure it was what's the word safe mm-hmm. check my foot in front yeah in that state then i'll take a step then I'll check my foot again. Yeah, the next step is safe. And um, because because that was happening, my my some of my the staff have get either a bit frustrated or or maybe even just click to like, oh maybe you know you're struggling here because you can't see that there's nothing in front of you. You know that you can't see it's safe. So you're obviously needing to check that. So um, I was then offered to try a stick. Um, and especially it helped with inside school as well, where they were, where the steps were. Like steps is a huge, like, I don't mind falling upstairs, not so bothered about going up, but going down has been a huge, um, was always a huge barrier for me. I was always terrified around steps. Sure. So having that stick then to be like, oh, there's a step there, oh, there's a step there. Or even when I'm leaving, going, oh, there's a pavement step there. Oh, it's the best thing in the world. Like something as simple as just this bit, this metal stick. And it made life so much easier, though um, it was difficult at the same time because a lot of people back then, I'd like to, I hope the things are a bit different now, but back then, a lot of my fellow students seemed to think if you had a stick, that meant you were blind. And I had quite a bit of bullying about, uh, oh, you're faking and all that kind of thing. And you're not, you're not even blind. Why do you have that? That kind of thing they didn't seem to understand that yeah i have some sight but there are some things i do need you know help with like steps you know outside outside going along the side of the school they were concrete steps i was terrified of going down them sure i can imagine but you're right in the sense that there's and i think it has got better um but still i don't think it's a hundred percent there that yeah people see a cane or a guide dog they just I guess one of the reasons behind uh, me wanting to do this podcast to show that, that you know there's not just two types. It's not just you know it's it's not just uh, blind needs glasses to imp- to make them fully sighted. Fully sighted. It's not those three things, you know. Which I think you're right in the sense that I think a lot of people, especially a few years ago, but like I said, I think some still do now, but less think that way. Yeah, I think as well, because, um, uh, and I think I've got, um, I'm sure I've got one or two friends that have the same situation. Um, it could possibly be be because we have some sites where we've seen to have some sites. So um, me and a couple of friends have been out with our guide dogs, you know, our actual matched and our mm-hmm. owned guide dogs. Yes. And people come up to us thinking we're training them. Yeah, I've had that like, recently. Oh, yeah. Have you? Yeah, he's like, oh, you're training, uh, you're training a guide dog. Are you like, well, kind of, but not really. She's like my guide dog. Yeah, I just, I, I found it so confusing when I've had people because in my head I'm there like, don't they normally wear the like the uniform, like the t-shirt oh. or the jacket mm-hmm. when when doing that mm-hmm. anyway? So I'm just like, I don't. And in my head, like I was saying, I said to my wife, I was uh, like, is it because because it normally happens? I will say it normally happens when I'm not wearing my sunglasses. That is something that I'm very much aware of. If I'm wearing my sunglasses, people seem to just assume I'm totally blind. Um, and that's obviously when the sun's out and stuff, because um, 
I don't have uh, the same condition as you, but I do. I do have a, a photophobia with like real bright sunlight. I did like causes my whole eyeballs to ache. Uh, so yeah, wear the glasses. But if I'm not wearing the glasses, I think due to me having some sight in the right eye, and also sort of even though I've pretty much I've got I think I've got light perception in the left, but anyway, basically nothing. Um, mm. I've sort of managed like over the years I've sort of it feels weird to say it but I've sort of trained my eye to like like move it's still I don't think completely focuses but my left eye is still like you know it's because there was a point I remember when I was a teenager where it got my eye was like I suppose the best way I could put it was being wonky and like because the I think because the muscles were weakening because I wasn't mm, using it yeah. so then yeah I started to try and use it. and I think yeah because I don't even without the glasses, because my eyes don't look blind, because they're not, I don't know, you know, they're not milky white or whatever, you know, mm. yeah, I think it's, I assume in that moment, yeah, people just seem to be there like, oh, he's fully, even, th- like I said, even though I'm not wearing the guide dog uniform, as it were, you know, the guide dog charity uniform, as it, you know, but it's, yeah, uh, like I said, I've only had it recently in Southampton, where I live now, I've had it a few times, and I feel a bit non, it's one of those, um, when it was first asked me, I was a bit, I was really, nonplussed to be honest yeah well I guess when I was first asked I, I'd only recently had DC so I don't know I, I guess I was like well no she's my dog but I then I tried to do a bit of education on it but mm. technically you know when you first year of having the dog they do say you are continually still training the dog so I guess in a kind of way I am but I think that just confused the situation so would, I, I think it would do point, most yeah yeah. Yeah. So it got to a point where I'm just like, nah, she's my guy dog. Oh well, you know. Oh, are you training him? No, it, it's a her and no, nah, she's my guy dog. Um <laughs> it's usually how we go. Yeah. That's fair. Um so to go because uh, you mentioned about uh your work currently, uh what uh like how long after your time at uni did it take you to uh get work? Is um is that what you're currently doing now say the when you got a job um yeah uh it took me three years i think it was from the point that i finished uni um till i got a job uh which is really interesting because i had it only end of last year so the whole time i've had to um figure out what it's like to have my first job um, but at the same time, obviously having to abide by all the COVID, etc. Mm. So uh, it's been really strange to have a job that you want to be excited about. And you want to get out there and do your best and kind of show, uh, yeah, I have a vision impairment, but I'm going to attempt to go above and beyond and show you, you know, you, you said yes and you, you chose me out of all these other people and I'm going to show you why, why you, you know, why you, you'll be glad to got me instead of someone else um but but i've had to work from home i have i've never worked in my office i've except for my line manager and this that was just because i did a guide dog assessment to check it was safe you know that where the building is sure um to check that be safe for the dog other than that that time really i've never met any of my co- uh, colleagues face to face i've only ever met them on over teams so it's been really strange um I imagine yeah it's been really odd but uh also i've had a lot of it issues to be honest 
so that's been really frustrating because some of it has been to do with accessibility so on the one hand i'm there wanting to really show say my line manager and that what i can do and that i'm really this is the kind of job i'm really passionate about because it involves disability and additional learning needs and especially young people as well um so you know i'm really passionate about it so on the one hand i'm trying to show him what i can do Mm -hmm. and on the other hand i have things slowing me down probably make me look a bit slower and not as great as i'm trying to show to be if you see what i mean um so like internet issues or for example a recent thing well not recent but uh anyway uh color contrast has been a huge thing for my online mandatory uh learning right so um there's a particular uh what you call it add-on that i found that i can use and it kind of strips back all the colors so that my zoom text can take over invert it and i can see uh most of the time i can see the online learning and i can do it independently i can do it myself and get on with my own mandatory learning that's fabulous love it independent i'm happy but then recently, um, I don't know if security is just tightened or if there's anything to do with the updates recently. Um, I'm not sure, but basically I can't use these add-ons anymore. I'm not allowed to. Okay. So there's a module I've been kind of asked to do, but I can't see to do it because the color contrast is terrible. It's like a light color on a light color. I think it's like oh, um, white on light blue or the other way around, like blue and white um, background. Um, okay. But because the, because the, yeah, because the color tones are so similar, even yeah. if you invert it, that just means it'll be a dark color on dark color. So I think it's like, I don't know, navy on black, something like that. Um, so it's, it's not a case that I can just invert it. So I need these kind of add-ons to strip away all these fancy colors to make it simple so that then I can work with it, but I'm having to spend time with IT asking, right, I need this add-in. So then they explain to me why why I can't have the add-on at the moment. So of course they're coming to me then going, okay, explain to us exactly why you need it. And then we can make a case for it and see if we can get these approved. Okay, that's fantastic. But as you can imagine, you know, with all this going on, emailing and Teams and me trying to explain exactly why i need these add-ons and explaining yeah. the color contrast aspect to them it's been going on for a couple of months now and i'm they just i just want to do this one online module that's all i wanted to yeah um but i'm having all these issues so i i can't do it i can't throw myself into work like anybody else can but i i've been having some issues so yeah sorry that was a long babble <laughs> no it's fine i mean it's good in a way to show um, you know how because I do think there's still unfortunately this perception isn't there that when um, I suppose disabled people in general but in this specific example um, blind slash visually impaired people when we're struggling with work there seems this is this I think thought process that we're just trying to get away with not doing much yeah um, there, there uh, can be, yeah, or or even like like me, um, you know, it, they might not think that, but then you might 
start questioning yourself. Yeah, going, that's the oh, thing as well, yeah. Why aren't I, yeah, why aren't I going as quick as, as the sighted person? Why aren't I doing as well as them? Why aren't I as far ahead in the game as they are? That kind of thing kind of starts creeping into your mind a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and unless you're someone, a strong enough person or confident enough person in yourself to go, no, this isn't my fault. This this is an IT issue. This is not my fault. Or this is a line manager issue. Or this is um, an employment or whatever the issue is, whatever the barrier is, you know. But you need to be that kind of personality. And obviously not everyone is. Yeah. No, definitely. Um are you uh, happy to say what it is your you do currently for work? Oh, sorry. Um, yes, I'm uh, an index officer. So, the index is a um, a voluntary register for children and young people in Cardiff um, who have disabilities or additional learning needs. Okay. Um, so I um, I manage that register. Um, and using those email addresses then that are signed up um, I then send out the parents and carers etc of those young people and children um, I send them e-bulletins so that's a regular email that could involve anything from anything fun or anything interesting to anything informative so it could be anything about new clubs being set up so it could be maybe a new wheelchair basketball team uh, or clubs maybe it's being set up in Cardiff or it could be um, an event like maybe, you know, Site Village in Cardiff is coming up, so I could put something about that. Um, it, or it could be something more serious information like, you know, um, benefit changes or, you know, if you're having issues with this, get in touch with this organisation um, for ad- advocacy support or, you know, anything like that. So it's really interesting. I get to look at so many different disabilities, but then I love it because I've been able to really bring to it the sight loss side of things. Cause I do feel in some ways they, they're not as represented in, in some uh, organizations, etc. So obviously there's a lot to do with some specific disabilities. Okay, this e-book, this newsletter, whatever it is, is fab. But right. you've got so many pictures in here and no alt text, for example, you know. Sure. Um, oh, it's, it looks lovely. It looks really nice. It's designed, you know, really beautifully. Don't get me wrong. But I haven't got a clue what that says because that is in such fancy writing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, it's more like, obviously, I'm not telling them off or you know, saying you got this wrong or this wrong. It's me basically showing to them going, okay, no, this is fab, but I wouldn't have done it like that. I would do it like this because maybe, and obviously I try not to keep it too much sight loss either because obviously I, my job entails lots of different disabilities. So for example, color contrast, one of my huge things that affects Mm -hmm. a lot of different people. So that could be anything from somebody who's got a vision impairment or else, uh, you know, somebody who's dyslexic. They, they can struggle with color contrast mm-hmm. um yeah. you know there there are other um disabilities out there that have some similar barriers or issues um uh yeah so yeah i'm able to bring that and i'll <laughs> and i'm very passionate about it and i don't shut about it anyway <laughs> so i'll leave it there okay uh if you're sure i mean I'm perfectly happy for you to uh talk about something you're passionate about <laughs> it's not you know it's uh, relevant 
<laughs> um, well, um, well, I just mean as well, like, um, like I didn't because uh, because some people out there might uh, be able to relate to the access to work uh, um, process, etc. It's quite a long, drawn out. Uh, sure. Can be difficult, um, especially because it's not the most at the moment. It's still not the most vision impaired. Uh, uh, what's the word accessible service which mm-hmm. is very ironic for as you know something that's supposed to help take away barriers to employment that actually can put barriers in your way for employment but um yeah because i had to wait about i think it was like five months four or five months maybe to get my equipment and things so um on the one hand that was very frustrating because i didn't feel i could you know start running or whatever phrases when I started my employment, I couldn't straight away go, right, tell me, explain to me, you know, what it is, the context, and so I can start learning everything going on. Um, but then on the other hand, I actually spent a lot of that time, as I said, giving a lot of feedback, especially um, in relation to site loss. So, for example, the online modules um, is probably one of my biggest examples. Um, I gave uh the people that help put that together etc um or develop it i explained to them about color contrast um i explained in in some of the modules there were animation uh, which obviously i couldn't really interact with them um there was fancy style writing which i couldn't see there's this that and the other you know there's quite a lot of different things going on um videos uh, that were animations because I didn't have a clue what was going on in those videos. Sure. Um, because there wasn't any any kind of description. There wasn't any audio description on the video itself. So, as I said, it wasn't... I was trying to make sure and emphasize them going, you know, this isn't me telling you you've done wrong or anything. This is me going, you haven't got this experience of having sight loss. So I'm going to now explain to you what, it, what this is from my perspective. Sure. This is how Aussie you can look at this animation and you know what's going on that's fabulous and Aussie there's lots of people out there who will so that's fine but then if you've got something like sight loss you ain't got a clue what's going on just yeah. out there listening to the pretty music um that, I'm not really learning anything other than hmm, this video has pretty music <laughs> um things like so I think a lot of things like that um and I've also one of my uh one of my things in my life is um the amount of pdf documents that are used as well um because a lot of them like i know a lot of them nowadays i think are supposed to be more accessible um, but i know a lot no they're not all accessible um like uh when i use so when i use my zoom text the magnifier um Mm -hmm. aspect uh when i open it it's usually quite blurry and obviously the more i zoom in the blurry and blurry it gets which is, yeah, not what you want. Obviously, if I'm zooming in, I want to be able to see what it says, but it's uh, making it worse the more you zoom in. Um, and they've obviously recently now having to creep into this uh, speech world. You know, I've been learning exactly how even more frustrating it can be for if you're a JAWS user, for example. Uh, and if JAWS isn't, um, what's the word? If it's not interacting with a document and it's not... And if it's just an image, if you know, if the jaws recognise it as more of an image thing, they're just not going to read it. 
Right. So you're just there with sat there with uh, with your jaws going blank document, blank document. And I was like, Noah, yeah. I know there's something there. I can see there's some sort of text. I want you to tell me what it says. <laughs> and I have to constantly then be the the nagging person going, hi, this is great. This sounds really fantastic. And I really want to know more about this. Could you send this to me in a Word document, Bunny Chance, please? Yeah. And that's been a bit more of a fight than I realized that was ever going to be because a lot of people I've now learned through employment um, prefer PDFs because they say you can't change it, the information. Yes. Um, so that's the whole point. But it's like, well, yeah, that that's fair enough. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't help me. That 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 helps me in no way at all. So a couple of people have been um, good enough for me to just sit, like email them, giving basically my guarantee that you know I will not share this information. This information will be just for my own personal reference and mm-hmm. then they'll send it to me in word right. which i don't mind I, I don't mind doing that that's just one quick email and then they'll send me what i need i sure. don't mind that but then of course i've got to, i i do then sometimes point it out to people who are doing maybe a um a i don't know a workshop or whatever it is i do like mentioning to people because like oh, okay yeah we've got these documents for for these parents on this training course or this workshop whatever it is and i'm there just saying yeah it's lovely you got it in pdf but that's not going to help what if you have like um uh, a parent on this workshop who's got sight loss they're not gonna be able to fill that in yeah um so you really need to think about what format you got um because <laughs> you got it because obviously you've got to think you know a lot of people obviously think in wales um of course, under the law and that, you've got to have it bilingually, which is great. So they've got it bilingually, but then you wonder, but it's under the law as well to have accessible information. Mm-hmm. So why are you going, oh, it's under the law to have it Welsh, we'll have it in Welsh, but then you're not going, we need it also legally, we need it accessibly. But then you're not, you like taking that into account. It's, it's very, it's a very odd situation I've come across, but um, I like to think I, I'm doing my little part in the world anyway to kind of, um, you know, yeah. change, change people's minds, mindsets, at least if nothing else, sure. um, and get a bit more out there. It was actually really exciting. A couple of months ago, there was actually an email that went around saying we're going to use less PDF documents. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was the, one of the most exciting emails I'd, I'd read in a long time. I was sat there like a little child at Christmas, but oh my God, that's so cool. Yes. <laughs> less pds amazing um yeah but i haven't really seen much of a lessening yet hopefully it's just something people are getting more used to when before you actually see the difference um but yeah Yeah, that's fair i mean it's obviously good that you're able to uh be you're in a situation where you can try and make some bit of a difference because it's may not feel like much but you know to uh coin the uh term from a from a supermarket chain every little helps <laughs> absolutely yeah and i think like even if if one person ends up going can I have this in a word document they end up going yeah that's fine we've, re- we've got that ready for you um if, if that's the difference they've made because i pointed it out Whereas maybe before I was employed, maybe they go, oh, we only got PDFs. 
then I'm happy even if if I've made one person's life easier because of my nagging I'm I'm really happy because it's it's difficult enough to be in the world full stop I think you know let alone then on top of that if you have a disability or learning need or whatever the barrier is potentially then you know we all, we all gotta do our part I guess so like I said yeah absolutely every little helps certainly so you're saying obviously you've um, been working from home obviously you've recently moved uh, and Moran says so that's obviously yourself you've got your guide dog uh, your partner yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's a yeah a lot of um, changes at the moment especially now because I'm about 30 weeks pregnant now as well so yeah. that's just unpopular like a lot of people have always said I don't do things by halves and this is just something yet again they've just gone oh goodness sake mate <laughs> just slow down a little bit no <laughs> I like you doing things fast um, so yeah moving house getting my first job um, and being pregnant as well it's just a lot of big changes at the moment <laughs> no certainly seems there is and um I see. Uh, congratulations on your. Um, well, to be honest, not just your pregnancy. Admittedly, I feel like congratulations on all of it. Uh, you know, having you know place of your own and uh, having a job. I feel like, especially uh, especially when I've been talking to people who are part of the uh, sight impaired community, or and they've got a job. It always feels a bit like that. So, congratulations for that. Because uh, it's, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. As it's not, and it takes it takes time. Um, something I I guess I had to learn, you know, because I've got lots of other friends have um, have, have struggles, and you know, wonder, you know, potentially why haven't they got a job and all this kind of thing. And it is, it's 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 difficult to get. And I think you've got to get, like, when it comes to work, so, you know, you've got to have a really good, um, mm. somebody who's interviewing needs to really see what you can bring. So you need to be lucky to have, you know, some of it is to do with luck. Um, some, of, some of it is to do with being, conf- you know, confident and just mm. going, you know, what? no, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you and show you exactly what I can do and why you need me. Um but yeah, yeah. So there's lots going on. But the the one thing I need right now, I think, is for somebody to come and teach my guide dog that I'm pregnant, because she keeps <laughs> either putting her head on my tummy or trying to headbutt me <laughs> in my tummy. So yeah, somebody needs to teach her what everything that's going on. I think. Maybe she can hear the baby kicking. Maybe you never know. <laughs> but um, nowhere near. Um, she's just an attention seeker, so she's probably going ignore that. It's just me. I'm the baby. Ignore, ignore it in there. Yeah, the f- uh, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, you have your you have your fur baby and your actual baby. Well. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's something an interesting one. Um, and a bit of a stress and worry. Um, I've had a little bit is um, trying to know as well what what if there's anything different to do between ha- having um 
a baby compared to having a baby when you have a guide dog as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've heard some people go, yeah, it'll be fine, you'll be fine, all this kind of thing. And oh, told me some really lovely stories how the guide dog maybe turns into a bit of a protector and likes to lie next to the crib and all this kind of thing and watches the, the baby and that, you know, it's lovely. Then I've heard the other side of the coin where some people have had to maybe, you know, um, maybe retire their dog or give up their dog or, um, you know, not not as nice scenarios yeah um but then i'm taking those more negative ones as i'm glad i was told them because that's kind of pushed me to now really talk to guide dogs and be like right i need support now rather than kind of letting it go and go yeah i'll be fine i'll, I'll work it out you know me actually picking up the phone being right i have a guide dog she is an attention seeker i really think i you might need to come maybe i don't know give me some training tips or whatever it is but just to make sure that, that transition is not only easy as as possible for me but on top of that easy for the guide dog as well because you know they're with you 20 as you know yourself 24 7 they're there mm-hmm. um all the time whether you're in the house or out the house yeah um you know, Daisy will follow me to the toilet if I let her. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so trying to make sure that she's also eased into it or have as easy a transition as possible with having to understand that she's not going to be the only thing my attention is drawn towards from October on. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... I feel like it's one of those things that uh, a, a dog will adjust to. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like you said, obviously every dog's different, I get that, but I don't know, it's just, you know, dogs are adaptable creatures in the same way we are as well. You know, I think of like, um, with my dog, when um, my wife then girlfriend at the time started living with us at uni like you know basically spending a lot of time in the room you know he had to mm-hmm. adjust to that you know sort of thing uh and i know it's not exactly the same thing of course uh but you know it's it's that kind of thing i even look at oh yeah go on sorry no it's fine uh, uh sorry i thought you uh it's uh I even think there was a there was a period during the lockdown and for where um like anyone it was hard especially if you don't have a job I think it was very hard to have a routine and uh, my wife and I um we did end up going a bit nocturnal at one point in the sense that we were going to bed at like eight in the morning and uh, waking up at five at night five p.m. But he yeah I know he <laughs> he adjusted to that as well I have give him credit for that thankfully we, we did manage to get ourselves back in that we didn't do it for too long but it didn't seem to bother him if people wonder i'm not recommending it but it was basically i fed him i fed him basically i fed him before we went to sleep i gave him his breakfast and then obviously would feed him a couple of hours for his dinner after we got up and uh him and i would normally go for a midnight walk um which was very odd because there would be times when I was walking around and obviously it was really quiet and in my head I'd be mm. like going, oh, this lockdown's really effective and then I have to remind myself it's midnight and <laughs> no one's out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, um, but yeah. Yeah, d- d- um, don't talk to me about, about um, adapting to a partner though because I-, I swear Daisy loves 
Um, my partner Mark is more than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I wasn't sure she'd take to him and stuff. But you know, now we're in this house, for example. Marks will come upstairs if I'm doing work downstairs. Daisy will follow him upstairs. I'm like, oh, <laughs> tra then. Bye then. I know who you prefer. <laughs> No, you, um, Yulan's definitely a fan of my wife. Um, um, uh, not to up, uh, not to upset you. Of course, I feel like I think I'm still number one for him. Um, but that's me because um, it's been a joke with my wife when um, she asks him to do one thing, but then if I say the uh, if I say something else, he'll you know he'll ignore her. Uh, <laughs> well. I know I'm number one at least when it comes to food. So she she'll always be mine because she knows who gives her, supplies her a breakfast and to thank for that that's something at least. Indeed, very much so. But um, I think we we've had a a good uh, conversation there, Megan. Uh, and hopefully people have found uh, will find it interesting. Uh, listening uh i know i have uh, and f- thank you again for joining me i said thank you for asking it was a really great conversation to be fair there's a lot of things i'm passionate about to do with sight loss and that so uh it was really nice to get to talk to somebody about it yeah no certainly uh and until next time uh goodbye to everyone listening uh, and if this is your first time, uh, first episode, please uh, don't hesitate to go back and hear uh, the other great episodes with others and their fascinating stories. But yeah, until next time, goodbye. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully, you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at the Blind Brennan. Send an email to theblindbrennan at gmail.com or join the Facebook group, Listen With Your Eyes. If you can like, share and rate the podcast, that would be very much appreciated. You've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time. (laughs) 